Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is time once again for Blitz Boys here on the Jack Wagon Sports Network. Uh, I'm flying solo today. <clears throat> Slade has to work. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, we're going to break down all of week three. There's some two major headlines that we're going to talk about as well. Uh, go over all of our picks that we made last week uh, and then make some picks for the Thursday and Friday games for week four as well. And then uh, don't forget, join us Saturday morning. Uh, for Out of the Tunnel Live to get you ready for the full Saturday slate. Uh, it's going to be a fun show this week. We hope to see you over there. Uh, one of the major things that happened this past weekend that I want to talk about first to get us rolling today is the Travis Hunter-Henry Blackburn situation. Uh, so early in the first quarter of the Colorado-Colorado State game, uh, there was a late hit. Uh, there, I mean, there's no arguing that at all. It was a late hit uh, by Henry Blackburn on Travis Hunter. Uh, there was also pass interference on that play as well. So it ended up being a 30 yards uh, penalty, essentially, against Colorado State. Uh, but it was an extremely late hit. Um, and what ended up happening from there is Travis Hunter lacerates his liver. So he's going to miss the next three to four weeks. Uh, two huge games he's missing in there uh, is going to be the USC and the Oregon game this weekend. Uh, and so that sucks for Colorado. Just, there, there's no other way around it. That's a, that's a terrible blow for their team. Uh, and hopefully he heals up properly and he can come back strong uh, and he can, can continue to impact that team in the positive way that he has through the first three weeks. Um, but what happened from there is during while the game is still going on, uh, Henry Blackburn and his family were receiving death threats uh, from Colorado fans, other people online. Uh, and that's mainly what I want to address here and talk about quickly. I made a TikTok about this earlier in the week. Uh, and kind of went over th everything and gave my thoughts, but I'll do it again here. Um, so with the hit itself, uh, I 100%, I, like I said, I believe it was a dirty hit. Um, I don't believe it was his intention to injure Travis Hunter in the way it was. Uh, I mean, you can make an argument, you know, hey, that was his goal was to knock him out of that game. Um, you know, I, I am not going to make that argument either one way or the other. Uh, but I, I think regardless, it, at the very least, his intent was to send a message like, hey, we're not going to back down. We're not scared of Colorado um, and, and we're here to play. I think that's every player's you know, intent when they when they, you know, are in a rivalry game like this is, hey, let's let's go out there and let's make a big hit. Let's send a message that, you know, we're, we're here to play. You know, we're not just going to be pushed over in this game. Um, I believe that either the NCAA or the Mountain West should have stepped in after the game. I think he should have been ejected during the game as well. I, I believe the, the refs have enough control in that moment uh, that that should have blatantly, I mean, you could argue was targeting a little bit, you know, the way he led. Um, regardless, I think that hit warranted an ejection in the moment. They didn't. Uh, they didn't eject him. That's fine. You could argue either way in the moment. Um, but after the game, I think either the NCAA or the Mountain West should have stepped in uh, and said, listen, that we're not going to tolerate that. Um, and, and this has nothing to do with the outcome. I think with the hit itself, um, that warranted at least a one game suspension, you know, two or three. There's people out there on the Internet arguing this guy should be kicked out of college football, have his scholarship revoked, all this other stuff. That's BS. I mean, th there are big hits like this. Any other time, and and I think it's just because of how polarizing uh, and popular Travis Hunter is as a player. Uh, you know, after week one, you know, a lot of people are saying that this guy's he he deserves to be a Heisman contender. He's playing both ways. I'm not arguing that. 
um, you know, just the way he was playing on both sides of the ball, the fact that he was playing both sides of the ball so much, you know, he had over like 130 snaps in week one. Um, the, the kid is a dog certified uh, and he's a fantastic player and he deserves the recognition that he's getting. But, and I said this in my, my TikTok I made on, I, I believe it was Tuesday. Where were, the, you know, if, if this would have happened last year, let's ignore Deion Sanders is there. Let's ignore Travis Hunter is there. Okay, if this happens to a Colorado player last year, the same outcry wouldn't be happening. And, and I think that's, that's a very true statement. Um, and I'm not trying to knock Colorado for what they were in the past. But, you know, at the end of the day, they weren't a very good program. They didn't have very many people watching them, many eyes on them. Uh, you know, they had their diehard fans. They always will. But I don't, I don't think there would have been this level of reaction. Uh, I, I think with the attention Dion has brought in, uh, you know, the, the extra eyes on this program, you know, th- this team has now played three nationally televised games in the first three weeks. And last year, I think they might have played one or two in, the, you know, the entire season, if that. Um, so I, I feel like with those added eyes, added attention, that has brought on this extra scrutiny, especially in the case of Henry Blackburn. Like I said, I'm not defending the hit at all. It, it was it was dirty. Um, it was a very late hit. But either than that, you you can't say this kid deserves to be, you know, thrown out of college football. All this other stuff. At the very least, he does not deserve, and his family does not deserve the death threats that they received, the the threats of violence or harm against them that they received. Um, this was my main point in the video I made on Tuesday is sports are, are not bigger than life at the end of the day. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard fan of, of my sports teams, especially Oregon. Uh, but if something like this were to happen, I don't understand what kind of headspace you need to be in as a person to publicly threaten another person's life. Like that, that has real life repercussions. Like if you put that stuff on the internet where you are threatening somebody else's life, or their well-being, or their family's well-being, you can go to jail for that. And and nothing in this world, outs, you know, outside of very certain situations, and sports is not one of them. Is that warranted? Is that worth it? Um, I don't understand why so many sports fans. I, I'm a Bears fan, and I said this on Tuesday as well. I lived through the double doink, and that that broke my heart. I hated Cody Parkey. Uh, you know, I was upset with him, but at no point did I say that guy doesn't deserve to live. Whereas other people felt the need to make that statement very clear to him. Uh, he received multiple threats. Uh, you think about the Vikings a few years before that in the playoffs. I believe it was Blair Walsh, the kicker, uh, received multiple death threats for missing the kick as well. I, people just need to get a grip and understand that nothing is that serious, especially in college football. Um, you don't need to be making these statements and these threats towards people, um, no matter what the situation may be. Uh, we as a society need to grow up and move past this. And I think, you know, obviously social media has made it so much easier um, to make these views known and spread more rapidly. Um, but that is the most frustrating part of being a sports fan at any level, anywhere across the world. This isn't just a, an isolated American incident. Um, you know, that you have the football overseas, English, Premier League, La Liga, all that stuff, FIFA. You know, I'm sure if players make crucial mistakes like that, it, it is more of the same over there as well, especially with how diehard those fans are. So I think we as a society need to 
take a step back, take a chill pill. Nothing in in this game in sports in general is worth ruining your life, somebody else's life, so on and so forth. You need to grow up a little bit and realize that you don't need to be making death threats to people. Um, you don't need to be making claims that so-and-so should be kicked out of sports, scholarship removed, all this other stuff. Um, Deion Sanders has since come out and said, you know, hey, I forgive the kid. Uh, the team forgives him. We're moving on. You know, like he and he echoed the same thing. Like he should not be receiving death threats. Nobody should. Uh, Travis Hunter went on a, a live stream and said, you know, he has no hard feelings towards him. Like it, it's football. And, and you know, a lot of people have brought up the major right hit from, I believe it was the 2009 uh, BCS championship game against Oklahoma. I mean, th- those are just two isolated incidents. Um, and those were incidents that happened on a national stage in big moments. Uh, you know, I feel like there's incidents like this every week. And just because they don't have the same attention on them, they just get swept under the rug and ignored. Um, and at the end of the day, all I'm trying to say is, Nothing in this life is that serious that you need to threaten somebody else's life over sports. Um, it's a little childish. And if you see somebody doing that or if your friend's doing that, like <laughs> help them out, like get them a therapist, get it, because that, that is beyond what is even remotely reasonable in, the, in this world. Uh, but that's all I wanted to say about that. Like I said, I, I made a video about that earlier in the day, but I just wanted to reiterate that message and, and share it on here on YouTube and, and, wherever you're listening to our podcast as well. Uh, another thing we had talked about last week uh, was the Mel Tucker incident. We had kind of debriefed the whole thing. We knew this is kind of where it was headed, but we were just waiting for the official word from the university. Uh, and that came on Tuesday as well. So Mel Tucker, uh, Michigan State has begun the process of firing Mel Tucker for calls. And the key word there is for calls because that means they get out of paying him his huge contract and any buyout that he may have, may have had in that contract. Uh, so Michigan State saves a ton of money. Uh, Mel Tucker will now be released from Michigan State, and the new new search for a head coach of the Spartans begins. One thing, and I, I would mean I'm not even going to touch the sexual harassment allegations again and everything going on there. I just want to look at the, the record itself um, of, of Mel Tucker at Michigan State. We had talked about this last week as well. You know, he had that huge breakout season in 2021. Uh, I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't think at any point Mel Tucker deserved to be the head coach. Uh, even in that season, uh, Michigan State was so good because they rode Kenneth Walker. And as soon as he left and that run game was gone and they had to solely rely on the passing game, uh, you saw the next season, the ceiling of that team and how good they were going to be without the, the running game that Kenneth Walker brought to Michigan State. Um, one thing that baffled me and I, I didn't even realize um, is Mel Tucker was an assistant at Alabama for a while. Uh, you know, the Nick Saban factor of coaching down there. His first head coaching job was at Colorado. His first season, he went five and six. Uh, he didn't make a bowl game his first season. Uh, and I don't understand how Michigan State looked at that and said, yeah, that's going to be our guy. He came in his first year was a COVID season. Uh, they they only won two games. Again, I, I hate when people bring up COVID records because look at all the coaches that succeeded so heavily in, in the COVID year. Uh, you had Tom Allen at Indiana, uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, you know, two coaches that are, are now on the verge of being fired um, because you know, they've, they've come back down to earth since then. Um, but anyway, so he struggles his first year. His second year there is obviously when things exploded. Uh, they 
I think they won 11 games. They win the Peach Bowl. They beat uh, Pitt in the Peach Bowl. Um, they had this great season. They beat Michigan. Um, and then all of a sudden the next year, you know, they struggled. I don't think they made a bowl game last year. Uh, and now this year they were struggling as well. Um, obviously, he wasn't on the sideline for the game, but, you know, they just got blown out against uh, Washington. You know, the only touchdown they scored was right at the end of the game. Um, so I, I I never bought the Mel, Mel Tucker hype. I understand he had that one great season. Um, but obviously circumstances are, are going to prevent him from more than likely ever coaching again at, at the college football level. We will wait and see. But I I don't foresee him ever returning, maybe in an assistant level or like, a, you know, Nick Saban likes to bring a lot of these guys in as offensive analysts or defensive analysts, something like that. I Maybe that'll happen uh, at a different school, but I don't see him, especially being a head coach anywhere else. But we shall wait and see. Uh, on Saturday morning, on Out of the Tunnel, we're going to be talking about some candidates that we like for the Michigan State job, who we think is going to get hired on there. Uh, so make sure you tune in to a Saturday morning to see all that uh, and see who we like to get picked for this job. Uh, there's a lot of candidates out there. A lot of names have already been floated. Uh, we're going to talk all about that on Saturday morning. Uh, here on Blitz Boys, we're going to keep rolling with our show. We're going to get to our week three uh, review and talk all about the 14 games that we had picked uh, this past Saturday when out of the tunnel update you on our cash out standings and our ups or, um, and our, our pick standings, all that fun stuff. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at our week three review and talk about these 14 games. Uh, so the first game we talked about on Saturday was Penn State at Illinois. Uh, no surprise here with the outcome of the game. Illinois has absolutely not looked the same as they did last year. Uh, I will say I do have a little bit of concern for Penn State coming out of this game. Uh, their offense Kind of struggled a little bit against West Virginia, but hey, that's week one. Uh, obviously against Delaware, they put up 63. They looked just fine against Delaware. Uh, but here they are. They get to their first conference game of the season against uh, a depleted Illinois team. Uh, I had high expectations for them coming out of last season. I thought that they would be able to overcome you know, all the, the major losses they had on defense. Uh, and I thought Brett Bielema's system was in place enough to keep Iowa kind of rolling a little bit. That's obviously not the case so far. Uh, they are now one and two on the season. But my, my concern in the, with Penn State in lies that they forced five turnovers against Illinois, uh, and they really struggled to, to move the ball a lot offensively. Uh, you know, they got set up with really good field position, all five of those turnovers. Um, and, you know, it's only put up 30 points uh, against. And I'm not saying Illinois is, is a slouch or a pushover or anything like that. Uh, but I just expect a little bit more out of their offense. Uh, you know, maybe they are still trying to gel and groove, um, and that that will remain to be seen. They have the whiteout game this weekend against uh, Iowa. I, I think that that's going to be more of the same, like we just saw in this Illinois game. Um, you know, Iowa just put up. You know, they they scored forty one points, which you know they they went for on a fourth down. They were already up, God knows how many points. I, I forget what the score was at that point, but they went for on a fourth down from the three yard line. And threw a touchdown pass to, and that's what they're going to have to do this season. Uh, and when they have the opportunity to run the score up like that and and really put a stamp on getting over that twenty five point hump for Brian Ferentz, that's that's absolutely what they're going to do. Um, but uh, this thirty to thirteen score, I hope Penn State's offense shows a little bit more consistency and, and ability to move the ball. Uh, I think Iowa's defense is. Close to the same level as Illinois. 
I understand that you know they they've held opponents to low scores to start the season. I don't think they've played anybody capable of of scoring like Penn State's offense is. Uh, so and especially. So at the end of the day, I would just really like to see uh, Penn State's offense look better for me to put any of my doubts, you know, down a little bit more because uh, they can absolutely compete with Ohio State and Michigan this year. But if that offensive consistency isn't there, it, it's going to be a struggle for them. So I need them to come out this weekend and really put a stamp on, hey, our offense is, is good to go. We'll be fine uh, for me to kind of ease those doubts I have about them moving forward. Next game uh, we talked about was LSU at Mississippi State. Uh, I bought way too much into Mississippi State, apparently, because I did not see the game going 41-14. I knew their defense was not very good against the pass. Uh, they weren't very good against the run either. LSU just uh, both both ways uh, just moved the ball all over them. Uh, Mississippi State couldn't do much. Uh, LSU had 530 yards of total offense, um, 367 passing, 163 rushing. Um, Jaden Daniels looked like he returned to Heisman contender form. Uh, and not much else to say about Mississippi State. I thought coming off of that win against Arizona, you know, in overtime would really give them a boost. And hey, this is our first game in the SEC. I, th- I felt like the emotion of not having Mike Leach, you know, on that, on that sideline would still be there with them. Uh, that wasn't the case. LSU looked fantastic. If they can run the table, obviously, you know, they have some tough games coming up. Ole Miss. Uh, Alabama, all those games, if they can survive those, uh, yeah, they're still in the driver's seat for the uh, the SEC championship game appearance. If they're one loss, if they can make it through the rest of the season and their one loss is to, you know, it so far looks like a very good Florida State team, uh, I think they'll be fine. But that shall be remain to be seen. Uh, next game we have was our first upset of the weekend. Uh, we had Kansas State, who was number 15 at the time, traveling to Mizzou. We all picked Kansas State. Uh, I didn't have any faith in Missouri, and they came out. Their offense looked pretty good. They struggled early on offense, but throughout the rest of the day, they were able to move the ball. The defense is the most surprising part to me. I thought Kansas State's offense would, you know, was that much better than Missouri's defense. That would, you know, separate them. Uh, that wasn't the case. Missouri's defense showed up. This was 27-27 with four seconds left, and Missouri kicks a 61-yard field goal to, to win the game. Uh, so a huge moment for him, a uh, huge moment for the team, a huge moment for Eli Drinkwitz as well. Uh, you know, a lot of people had started the season talking about, you know, maybe if he's not able to do anything this season, he he might be fired. He might be on the hot seat. Uh, and here now he has a, a huge win over a ranked team. Um, I mean, they, they have a comfortable, I wouldn't say comfortable because it's the SEC, but I mean, if, if they're able to pick up a few more key wins, uh, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia this year. But if they can pick up some more key wins, they can absolutely be in the race to finish second in the SEC East, which would be a huge improvement for Missouri. Um, so shout out to them for a huge upset win at home over former rival Kansas State uh, from the Big 12. Uh, staying in the SEC, let's look at that uh, South Carolina-Georgia score. Um, it was 14 to three at halftime. South Carolina was up and a lot of people were, were taking notice. And I had said this uh, on, on Saturday morning show, Georgia scares me. And I think the spread was like 25 and a half. And I, I took South Carolina as my upset alert to cover, not only cover the spread, but even possibly outright win this game. Um, 
but Georgia's offense has just not looked good the first couple of weeks. And even in this game, they didn't, you know, they, they, they scored 21 points in the second half. Their defense, you know, really stepped up in the second half, shut them out. Um, and that's, you know, ultimately what leads to the win for Georgia. But uh, they're going to get to some of these other games, uh, you know, down the stretch here. And they're not going to be able to play like that. Uh, and if they you know, if they make it through undefeated to the SEC championship game, if they play, you know, an LSU or an Alabama or, or somebody like that, that is not how you can start that game uh, because they have such potent offenses where they can run the score. It might be 24 to three at halftime. Uh, and that's absolutely a lot harder to overcome. Um, so Georgia is, is still trying to find their legs early this season. And that that's very concerning to me uh, with the stretch that they have going forward. Uh, if you look at South Carolina on the other side of the ball, I don't understand how you can go into halftime up 14 to three on the number one team in the country, back-to-back champs, you know, the, the two seasons prior, all this other stuff, uh, and then just come out in the second half and fall flat on your face like that. Uh, that's very concerning for that, that team as a whole moving forward. Um, you know, I, I think Shane Beamer is a good coach. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of his personality and, and how he conducts his team. Uh, but this is not the results that you can have in these situations. I understand you're on the road. And again, it's the number one team. You got to expect some kind of, of comeback there. But to move the ball like they did in the first half and then come out in the second half and just completely stall, you know, no points, not even a field goal or anything like that, hugely concerning for me uh, to watch this team going forward. You know, we had, we had seen this team last year be hot and cold throughout the whole season. They were able to pull off a couple upsets, and a lot of people expected them to take the next step. You know, maybe they can compete for the SEC East uh, or, you know, at least be the, the top two or three team. Uh, but now here we are, uh, and it looks like it's going to be just more of the same from last year, probably finish middle of the pack SEC East. Um, but back to Georgia, what they have upcoming. They have UAB this week. Uh, then they have Auburn, Kentucky, and Kentucky's a team that I am – really high on right now because I, I think that their offense is so much more improved from what it was in the past. I, I hated Will Levis. I don't think he was that good of a quarterback. Uh, now they have Devin Leary there. I'm very high on Devin Leary, and Kentucky looks good. Uh, and now they, they play Florida this weekend, uh, and then they are going to have Georgia. They're, now they're on the road at Georgia, uh, but that'll be the first weekend in October. Um, and then Georgia has Vanderbilt, Florida. Then they have Missouri. Uh, but then they play Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. That Ole Miss game is absolutely one that I'm going to be looking forward to. Uh, Ole Miss plays Alabama this week, another game that I have my eye on. Um, but if that that's a team where if Georgia comes out and plays slow to start the game, it can it can spell trouble for them because uh, Ole Miss has the ability to score a lot of points and score fast. <clears throat> uh, the next game is Minnesota at UNC. This was our game of the week this past weekend. Um, Coming into the season, and we, we had talked about this a lot, our, we had concerns about UNC. Everybody was very everybody else was very high on them. Uh, the main concern was their defense. I don't think enough people were talking about their offense and their insistence of the offensive coordinator that you know, they're going to put more of an emphasis on the run game, which they have absolutely done to start the season. But um, – I don't think anybody expected the defense to take this huge of a leap forward. Uh, you know, this was a, a defense that cost them a lot of games last year. And now here we are. Um, they gave up 300 yards of offense to Minnesota, uh, you know, 170 on the ground, 
but at the end of the day, it's only 13 points. Uh, and their offense goes out there. And we we talked about this on Saturday morning. Both defenses were not very good against the pass. Uh, I'll go back and see if I can find my notes here. Um, they're both bottom of the country in, in pass defense, but the rushing defenses were there. Uh, so we knew that we'd see a lot of air yards, and it would come down to who can control the ground game. Um, Minnesota controlled the ground game, but UNC put up 414 yards of passing. Um, obviously, that, that was a huge boost to them compared to Minnesota's 133 yards through the air. Um, so UNC, in my eyes, is absolutely a contender, not, not just for you know, a, you know, a possible New Year's Six Bowl, but I think they're in the conversation for ACC championship. Um, you know, Duke looks very good. Clemson has had a shaky start, but they're going to play Florida State this weekend. I think there's going to be a true measuring stick on um, how good or bad this Clemson team actually is. Uh, speaking of Florida State, you know, after the LSU win, everybody's very high on them. They really struggled against Boston College. Um, maybe they're looking ahead to this weekend. Maybe it was just the, you know, Boise or excuse me, Boston College was that caught up in the emotions of that game. It was a red bandana game for them. Uh, they always seem to have like another gear in them um, when, they, when they play in that game. And so maybe it was that. Uh, there's a lot of factors going on. But this, this weekend is going to tell us a lot about both of those teams. Uh, and, you know, is Clemson really as, as bad as what people were saying after they got blown out by Duke? Is Florida State really as good as people were saying after they beat up on LSU? Or is, you know, it was just week one kind of overreactions a little bit. Um, but outside of that, I mean, like I just said, you have Duke, um, you have UNC, who also looks very good now. Uh, Syracuse looks really good. We're going to talk about them here in a minute. Um, so the top of the ACC is is going to be a fun conversation through the rest of the year uh, and seeing who's, who's going to be one and two. You know, can Florida State continue kind of how they started? Uh, and be that clear number one favorite. And then, you know, we're talking about who's battling out for number two. Is it is it going to be Clemson? Can they they resurrect their season? Uh, is it Duke? Is it UNC, Syracuse, so on and so forth? So the ACC is going to be a, a ton of fun to watch this year. Um, but UNC has absolutely surprised me in how well they've they've played. Um, you know, they win it. They played very well against South Carolina week one. Uh, they struggled with App State last week, but App State, uh, and again, we'll talk about that here in a minute. We give you their game with uh, Eastern Carolina. I think if App State can run the table and their one loss is in double overtime to a UNC school who might finish second in the ACC, so on and so forth, they they their name deserves to be in the conversation for uh, you know near six bowl, uh, depending on what the rest of the group of five does. Uh, Tulane is still the the favorite for that right now, uh, in my eyes, uh, but. Uh, App State plays a very good Wyoming team on the road this weekend. Uh, that'd be a huge win for them because Wyoming also has a win over a Power 5 school. They looked really good against Texas in the first half. Uh, they were in that game until late. They threw a pick six, and that kind of sealed the game, and, and Texas won that game, I think, 31-10. Uh, but, you know, they're down 14 early in the fourth quarter. Who knows what can happen there? Unfortunately, they throw a pick six. Uh, but the, the fact that I think at halftime it was either 10-10, um, or they might have even been up. but. Uh, so App State's going to go play a very good Wyoming team this weekend. Uh, if they can come out of there with the win, again, I think their their name deserves to be in the conversation for uh, New Year's Six Bowl, but we shall wait and see. Uh, another game we looked at on Saturday morning was Virginia Tech going to Rutgers. Rutgers is is a completely different team than, I would, than what I think people thought they were going to be this year. 
Uh, they play Michigan this weekend, which is going to be a huge test for them. They're on the road at the big house. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, a, a lot, everybody is, is, I think, still wholly on Michigan. I think Rutgers is a team that can go in there. And the way Michigan has played to start their season, with how sluggish and sloppy that offense has been, um, if Rutgers can put up 21, maybe, uh, their defense has played very well to start the season. Uh, if they can put up 21 points, I think Michigan can absolutely be in trouble in that game. J.J. McCarthy just threw three interceptions against Bowling Green. Uh, not trying to not Bowling Green, but that's not the, the the type of play you expect out of a star quarterback against a Mac school. Um, th- this is something that definitely concerns me about Michigan going forward. And you can't put it all on, oh, well, well you know, Jim Harbaugh's out right now. He's, you know, uh, serving a self-imposed suspension and all this other stuff. Uh, Michigan has has been easily distracted. You know, they showed up to the first game in the, the free Harbaugh T-shirts. Uh, you know, and that made no sense to me and to a lot of other people because, again, uh, it was self-imposed suspension. You know, it it wasn't the NCAA. The NCAA was going to suspend it, but then, you know, they decided they wanted to talk about it more. And then Michigan's like, you know what, we'll, we'll just do it anyway. We'll serve a four, we'll have him serve a four-game suspension. Um, and so that's that was kind of head-scratching to me. But I, I, I don't have faith in Michigan going forward. Uh, somebody posted a graphic the other day saying, you know, who's who's your Heisman favorite right now? And, you know, it was a graphic with all these other quarterbacks and somehow J.J. McCarthy was on there. And I don't understand how that was even remotely possible. <laughs> but uh, regardless, uh, back to this game, the, the Rutgers-Virginia Tech game. Uh, Virginia Tech just doesn't have an offense still. Um, you know, that was their big problem last year. Their defense was pretty solid. Their defense still does to me. Um, look fine. It can obviously use a lot of improvements still, uh, but the Brent Price system is is working its way deeper and deeper um, into that team, and I think the defense is is going to be okay moving forward, but the offense just does not move the ball at all, um, and that's that's obviously going to be a huge problem going forward for Virginia Tech. Uh, I think a lot of people had high expectations for this team. Uh, they struggled, you know, the last how many years? Especially last season was their worst year. Um, but you know, a lot of people are saying this this could be a year where you know they're in a bowl game. And you know, who who knows, maybe they upset a couple of big names in the ACC. Uh they're not necessarily in contention for it, but you know, they can have their name talked about a lot more. And now here they are, they're they're one and two, two very tough losses to uh two Big Ten schools as well, in Purdue and uh Rutgers now. Um but so it's gonna be tough sledding for Virginia Tech moving forward. It'll be interesting to see uh the talk. Uh, that begins, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give it week five. The, the talk will most likely start depending on what Virginia Tech is doing about, um, you know, Brent Pryor being, being on the hot seat. Uh, but something, something to keep our eyes on moving forward. Next game we're going to talk about, uh, we already talked about App State a little bit, was the rivalry game between Eastern Carolina and App State. Uh, App State just dominated this game. I think a lot of people, um, probably unfairly too, thought App State might have it down year. After how they played last year, you know, they had all these huge upsets uh, and all this other stuff, and then they weren't even really in contention for the Sun Belt. Um, you know, they, they, they had a, a few tough losses after that that huge Troy miracle. Uh, I don't even think they, they went bowling last year. Um, but, uh, you know, they lose a lot of very talented seniors uh, after last season. And, you know, they show up for this year, and it's, yeah, how how good can App State be? Um, 
And, you know, they go on the road, they almost upset UNC on the road. Um, and they've looked really good through the first three weeks now. I think they're absolutely contenders for the Sun Belt all of a sudden. Uh, and like I just said, if they're able to, if they can pick up a huge win against uh, Wyoming this week, uh, they should be 100% in the conversation for uh, a, a possible New Year's Six Bowl um, for the, the, the New Year's Six representative for the group of, group of five. Uh, because I think their their schedule is that 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 good. Um, you know, like I said, they took a very good UNC team, and depending on what they can do in the ACC, they, they took in the double overtime on the road. Uh, you know, in Chapel Hill, I think App State deserves to be in that conversation. Eastern Carolina was a team I was really high on to start the year. I thought they could compete to win the uh, not necessarily win the American. I think Tulane is is going to be hard to topple in the American. Game. But I think I thought they could get up into that number two, number three uh, team in the American conversation. They they had a couple big wins last year. I thought they were turning enough um, enough players on both sides of the ball, uh, and I really like their head coach. Um, they had a really struggling, uh, rough start uh, to the season, playing well below what my expectations were for them. So we'll have to wait and see uh, as the season progresses what ECU can do. Uh, but well below where, where I thought they were um, were going to be this season. Uh, speaking of rivalry games, we had Tennessee at Florida. Um, Tennessee, th- their offense is, is horrible. I mean, we, we know that they struggled the first two weeks. Um, I was extremely high for no reason on Joe Milton. I really felt like because he was supposed to be the starter be- before Hendon Hooker and then he got hurt, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe he is going to be good. You know, and I think maybe Tennessee's offense is going to be fine. That's absolutely not the case. Uh, this this offense is no way. It, it's great that he can throw the ball super far, but his problem is, is if he's trying to throw the ball thirty yards, he throws it like he's throwing at eighty yards. Um, you know, as as a former college wide receiver, you know, if the ball hits you in the hands, you get you got to catch it. That's the rule. And you know, it, it, you could also say that for this, but it's it's hard to catch. You know, hundred mile hundred mile per hour bullet flying right at you. Um, so it'd be interesting, interesting to see what Tennessee can do the rest of the season. Uh, they have a very rough schedule, LSU, Alabama. They play Georgia. Um, it, it's going to be tough sledding for this Tennessee team going forward. Uh, they, were, they were a team that a lot of people felt like maybe they'll topple Georgia this year, especially with how Georgia started the season um, and with how they played against South Carolina as well. And all of a sudden, you know, Tennessee might lose to South Carolina this weekend at home. Uh, you know, they're most, they could lose Alabama, you know, even with Alabama struggles. They, they can lose a lot of games this year, and then all of a sudden they go from the defending Orange Bowl champion to, you know, they're, they're going to be playing in the Birmingham Bowl. Um, so more and more storylines that we need to watch coming out of the SEC. And, and before I move on, shout out to Florida. I mean, I thought they were dead in the water, especially after how they played in week one at Utah. And now that performance looks a little bit better. You know, maybe is, is Utah that good? I don't think they were that good. Uh, I think Florida just was that bad in that game. Uh, but now, you know, they beat up on McNeese State. Now they get a huge conference win over Tennessee. Um, maybe that's enough to propel them going forward. I still have a lot of concerns about their offense. Uh, they looked really good in the second quarter, and ETN is a very good running back. But Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback. Uh, and that's that's you need good quarterback play to have a good season going forward. Um, I think they'll most likely make a bowl game uh, at this rate, but I, I'm not putting enough 
faith or enough stock in them to say, hey, you know, this this could be a team that can compete for the SEC East. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're going to play well enough, though, to save Napier's job uh, for another season, which I don't think he deserved to get fired in the first place. I, I, I would give him another season regardless of what happens this year. Uh, but I know Florida fans are a little impatient. Uh, there was a lot of that talk already to start the year. Uh, going back to the Sun Belt, we had James Madison visiting Troy. Uh, and speaking of, of teams that have fallen from last year, Troy is one of them. A lot of people have picked them to win the Sun Belt again. Um, and now they have back-to-back difficult losses. They lose to James Madison at home. They lost to Kansas State on the road last week, and that game wasn't even close either. Uh, so a rough start to the season for, for Troy. Uh, James Madison still looks just as, as impressive as they did last season. Uh, you know, they pick up a huge Power 5 win, their first in, you know, since being promoted to a, a Division One yeah, FBS school. Um, so, I mean, huge for their program. Now they're 3-0. and uh, Again, I, I re- will refuse to understand why the NCAA did not grant their waiver for them to become, you know, bull eligible or postseason eligible. Um, they should have won the Sun Belt last year. I, I – said when we made our Sunbelt picks earlier this year, I believe I picked um, South Alabama to win the Sunbelt. But I said, if I can pick James Madison, I 100% would. And I, and I still stand by that. I think that they have an amazing program down there. Their head coach is one of the best. Uh, to lose the amount of talent that they did last season and still be playing at this level, um, he deserves a lot of recognition for that. Uh, BYU at Arkansas. His final score was not 14 to 31, uh, but it was a very good game. Uh, you know, came down to a final possession. I believe it was 38 31. Um, huge win for BYU. Um, they they go on the road. They got uh, beat, pushed around uh, a good bit against Arkansas at home last year. So now they go on the road. Uh, their offense looked really good. Their defense made a bunch of huge stops. Um, Arkansas's offense, I, I feel like, has the same issues it did last year. They have moments of of explosiveness and greatness, uh, but they just can't seem to put full games together. Um, and now you're looking at BYU. They're going to have Kansas this week. It's their first year in the Big 12. Um, and now all of a sudden they're in conversation that maybe they could be playing in Dallas at the end of the season um, for the Big 12 championship game. Uh, they look that good to, to start the year. Um, look at who they have. Can- they're on the road at Kansas this week. Then they have Cincinnati, TCU, Texas Tech, Texas, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Um, so just looking at the schedule right now, one, two, three, four, five, six games, I would say, are winnable. Uh, you know, are a toss-up. The only two I'm saying that are a little bit more difficult to say, and, and no game, I, I guess I should say, is, isn't winnable. But their two toughest games are going to be on the road at Texas and Oklahoma at home. Um, but if, if you have two conference losses, I think you're, you're still in the conversation for uh, making the, the game in Dallas at the end of the season. So something we're going to have to keep our eye on it and watch out for. Uh, next game we're going to talk about, and I already talked about Syracuse a little bit, is Syracuse at Purdue. Syracuse's offense looks really impressive. Uh, Garrett Schrader looks like he's taken his lessons from last season and where he struggled really worked on that on the offseason, and now he looks much better than what he did. Um, I'm not going to put all my stock into Syracuse yet. Uh, still 
just mainly because of what happened last year. You know, I got so high on them. They were top 10. They were 6-0. and They were up 21, might have been 21-7 uh, on the road at Clemson, and they looked so good. And then all of a sudden, they fall on their, their face in that game. And then I think they lose five out of the, the, the six games to finish the year from there. Um, so I, I still have concerns about them being able to finish the whole season out. But to, to say the least, they looked very good to start the year so far. You know, they're, they're sitting here at 3-0, and getting ready to start conference play uh, moving forward. I think they have a, a pretty favorable schedule, too. They'll play Army this week. Um, then they get Clemson at home. But then their next two games, they're at UNC and at Florida State. If they can come out of that one and one, uh, they're they're absolutely being talked about playing here in Charlotte um, in December for an ACC championship game. Because after you get out of that, uh, they're at Virginia Tech, Boston College at home, um, Pitt at home, Georgia Tech on the road, and then Wake Forest at home. So after they play Army, they have their three toughest weeks. If they can be two and one coming out of that, that is, um, I, I think, going to do wonders for their season. And like I said. You, we could be looking at them being a one-loss team heading into December, and I think that being a one-loss team in the ACC gets you an invite to come down to Charlotte and play Florida State or whoever it may be. Um, so the next four weeks are going to tell us a lot about Syracuse and how for real they are. Um, and then after that, it's can you not lose the teams that you're supposed to beat? Uh, and, and we'll go from there, and, and that's how we'll judge Syracuse moving forward. Uh, one of the teams I just brought up in that stretch is going to be Pitt. Pitt lost to West Virginia. Um, I don't think Pitt makes a bowl game this year. Uh, I really don't. Their one win is against Wolford. Uh, then they lost uh, 27-21 to Cincinnati, and the game really wasn't that close. Uh, this game was 17-6. West Virginia just dominated them all over the field. Uh, I'm honestly surprised the score was this close. Uh, a lot of people are starting to get high on West Virginia coming out of this game. And I get that it's a rivalry game. And, you know, it's going to be a hard-fought, you know, game back and forth. And these are two teams that absolutely just hate each other. Um, but with how bad Pitt was playing, I wanted to see a little bit more come out of West Virginia's offense. Uh, but we shall wait and see. But if you look at Pitt, they're going to have UNC at home this week. Uh, then they're at Virginia Tech. They have Louisville at home. Um, then they're at Wake Forest, at Notre Dame. They have Florida State at home. They're at Syracuse, Boston College at home, and then at Duke. I genuinely, truly see them winning two games the rest of the season. Um, one of those being the Virginia Tech game. Uh, and even that, that's going to be a night game at Lane Stadium. That no, no matter how good or bad Virginia Tech is, night games at Lane Stadium seem to just elevate that team a little bit more. Uh, and you know, that, that, that's not even a game that you can, you know, 100% say, oh, Pitt's going to win that game. Um, and the other game I'm, I'm looking at is Boston College, just because of how bad Boston College is to start the year. Um, but, you know, you have a, a Pitt team who just played an ACC title game two years ago, and now you're talking about them winning three games, maybe four. Um, I mean, they like to upset really good teams late in the season. Uh, they have Florida State at home. Maybe there's a, a miracle and, and they can upset Florida State. But I, I don't see a route for them to get the bowl eligibility with the, the schedule they have remaining. They need to win five games. I don't see five games that I could be like, could be a game they can win just based off of how they played against West Virginia alone. 
uh, and even you know, considering how they played against Cincinnati. Uh, so major concerns for Pitt coming out of that game. You look at the other side, you look at West Virginia, this result might be enough to save Neil Brown's job. Um, I mean, if, if they can somehow get – so they're, they're sitting at 2-1 and one right now. If they can find a way to win four more games, uh, which is definitely a possibility. They have uh, Houston, Oklahoma State, um, Cincinnati, Baylor. Uh, right there are, are four teams that they could possibly beat. Uh, and then who knows, maybe they can upset somebody like TCU. They're at TCU in two weeks. Uh, there's a route for them to get the four more wins to get them to bowl eligibility. And I think that's a case where Neil Brown definitely saves his job. Um, if they miss a bowl game, you could argue it the other way where that, that's enough for him to get fired. I thought last season he did enough for him to get fired, uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, so another, another storyline we'll be watching throughout the rest of the season. And the last two games uh, that we haven't talked about yet that we talked about on Saturday, one was the Rio Grande rivalry between New Mexico State and New Mexico. This is always a hard-fought game. This doesn't get any attention. This wasn't on TV at all. You had to like find streams of it online, uh, no, not even CBS, Sports Network, anything buried this game, uh, which I thought was a little egregious because th this is a very good rivalry game. It deserves a lot more attention than what it gets. Uh, but a hard-fought game nonetheless. New Mexico State wins back-to-back. -back. Uh, they won last year, and now they went on the road at New Mexico. Um, their offense looked a lot more consistent than what it had to start the season. This was the offense that I had expected, you know, week one uh, against UMass uh, that we just did not get. Uh, if you look at their stats, uh, they threw for 220 yards. Um, they rushed for 177 and no turnovers. That was the biggest thing. Uh, you know, they struggled in that UMass game with turnovers, and now here they are. They're not turning the ball over. And guess what? You win football games when you do that. Um, but this was this was a fun back-and-forth game. Um, New Mexico was able to move the ball as well. Uh, but if you look at New Mexico State, they're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Coming up, there you have Hawaii, uh, FIU, and I, I am excited. We're going to talk about FIU on Saturday. I can't believe they're sitting here at 3-1. and one. They they should have been four and one. They should have beat Louisiana Tech in week zero. And then you're you're talking about they only need to win two more games to be bowl eligible. Uh, but I'm going to talk about them on Saturday morning. Uh, back to New Mexico State. So after FIU, they play Sam Houston State, UTEP, Louisiana Tech, uh, Middle Tennessee State, Western Kentucky, Auburn, and then Jacksonville State. I see a path for them to get four more wins and go back to another bowl game. Um, looking, I think they can beat Hawaii. I think they could beat Sam Houston State, UTEP, Louisiana Tech. Um, those are the four. I, I Even Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State started the season off hot. They had a rough game this past week. Um, but that's the last game of the year. And so if um, New Mexico State can you know fully hit their groove by that point and stay healthy, yeah, that's, that's another game they can win. Uh, Jacksonville State's coming off a tough loss to uh, Coastal Carolina this past week. Uh, so those are, uh, and then we had the Fresno State Arizona State game. Um, I, I said Arizona State scored twenty points. Uh, that is not the case. They got shut out twenty nine to nothing. So I apologize for not getting that uh, fixed. Um, Fresno State is. I I said earlier Tulane was my favorite, um, just because of the schedule they have to be the Group of Five representative for the New Year's Six. Um, I think I, I'm doing a disservice to Fresno State by saying that. Um, they've beaten two Power 5 schools now. 
their their only little hiccup uh, that you know looking at is they had to go to double overtime against Eastern Washington. And honestly, I think that says more about Eastern Washington than it does Fresno State because um, Eastern Washington is a powerhouse year in and year out in the FCS. Uh, they're always in the FCS playoffs. They always have a shot to make that, that title game in Frisco. Uh, maybe Eastern Washington is just that good this season. Um, Fresno State's going to play Kent State this weekend, and then they get into conference play. Um, and so if, if they're able to run the table here on out and they're undefeated, yeah, I think they, they jump above Tulane uh, to get into the New Year's Six Bowl as a group five representative. And I think they absolutely deserve it. Uh, I mean, the fact that you just shut out Arizona State at Arizona State as well, um, and you, be, you beat Purdue. Uh, that's two Power 5 wins. And I understand that the, the rosters might be different, but the expectation is if you're a Power 5 school, no matter how good or bad you are, you're supposed to beat group of five schools. You're just plain and simple. That's that's how it's viewed. Um, and so I, I think that, that does wonders for their resume. And now they have two Power 5 wins, uh, both on the road as well. But if you look at Arizona State, they only had 230 yards of total offense. Uh, 188 of those came through the air, only 42 on the ground. Um, and Arizona State is in such a difficult position. They're another first-year head coach. I have huge respect for for Dillingham, you know, the Oregon offense coordinator from last year. I, I think that entire program got the air. Any any air of, hey, this, this can be a good year for us, sucked right out of them when it came out that they were going to self-impose, you know, a bowl ban and all this other stuff for this season. For a regime that you know got fired and, and sent out of here last year, uh, and now all of a sudden you're, you're punching a lot of these kids transferred into this school, a new head coach that has come over, uh, you're punishing all of them uh, for for something your former head coach did, which I will never understand. Um, but that'll do it for looking at the scoreboard from last week. Uh, our updated pick'em standings. I had a huge week. Uh, I'm I'm surprised. I went ten and five. Got me right back into the into contention for this. We're only three weeks in, but still, I was I was falling behind a lot, uh, and so I'll, I'll take a, a ten and five week. Um, Nick went eight and seven. Slade goes seven and eight, uh, and that gets us to these records you see here. Uh, every time it looked like Slade was going to make up the ground, he was one back coming into Saturday's games. Um, and every time it looked like he was going to, uh, you know, take that step and you know tie Nick, move ahead of Nick, as soon as he got a win there, it seems like he dropped the next two games. So. Uh, it's so much fun to do this throughout the year, uh, and we will keep you guys up, excuse me, updated on this as we go. Looking at our cash out standings, Nick is on an absolute tear right now. He goes two and zero last week. He's now up to eight and one on the season. Uh, Slade is at three and six. He goes one and one last week, trying to get himself back on track. Uh, I went zero and two last week. I, I took the Penn State Illinois over. That didn't hit. Uh, I thought Kansas would cover the spread against uh, Nevada. Nevada came out and, and played really well. Kansas struggled. Uh, so I have some concerns for them going forward. I might have gotten too high on them too soon. Uh, but either way, this it's going to be a lot of fun keeping up with this throughout the year. I just, if I can finish the season above 500, I will I will take that in a heartbeat, especially after how rough it was last year uh, for my cash out picks. So I'm looking forward to having a bounce back week this week, picking some winners. Uh, and, and <laughs> looking a lot better than what I have so far. Uh, let's go ahead and look at um, the games that will take place tonight and Friday night uh, for Division One college football and pick some of those games. Uh, I'll give you Slade and Nick's picks as well uh, alongside my picks. 
So we can add these to the standings. First game up we have is Georgia State at Coastal Carolina. This will be 7.30 tonight on ESPN. This is going to be a very fun game. Uh, I've been to – I talked about this on Saturday uh, when I do my TikTok. I face the other way, and on this wall right next to me, uh, I have a bucket list. I, my, my life goal is to go to every Division One college football FBS stadium. Um, and one of the games I've been to – or stadiums I've been to so far is Coastal Carolina. And when I went there, they played Georgia State. Georgia State upset them. Um, I, I think Coastal Carolina might have even been ranked when that happened. Um, nonetheless, uh, this is the two teams in the Sun Belt that don't like each other, uh, not separated by that much um, in distance. Uh, but let's pick the winner of this game. Nick is going to go with Coastal Carolina to win at home, as is Slade. And I'm going to make it three. Uh, our, our jinx so far this season, I can update you on this. Out of the 28 teams that all three of us have picked to win, uh, eight of them have lost. <laughs> uh, so we're 8 and 20, 29% uh, jinx rate so far. So we'll have to see if this adds to that total. But all three of us are going to take Coastal Carolina at home. Moving over to Friday, uh, we got Wisconsin at Purdue. This will be 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Nick is going to go with Wisconsin at home. Slade is going to take the upset here and take Purdue, or excuse me, Wisconsin is the road. Uh, Slade is going to take the upset and take Purdue at home. Uh, I'm going to go with Wisconsin, with Wisconsin as well. Uh, don't have a lot of faith in Purdue. I think there's. I thought, you know, the the longer this the season went on, their offense would click more and more. Uh, I was a huge believer in Hudson Card and you know the air raid style offense that that Purdue is is running. Um, it, it's taking longer to gel than I thought. Their defense is not very good as well. Uh, Wisconsin is coming, uh, you know, this will be their second week uh, after that tough loss to Washington State on the road. Um, I think Wisconsin is, is still going to be fine throughout the season. I still think they're contenders to win the Big Ten West. Um, I, you know, that's the, a tough loss on the road in Pullman. But I, I think um, this team as a whole will, will be okay. They're, they're, they're going to go through ups and downs, but I don't, I don't think on the road at Purdue is going to be a, a down for them this week. Um, Next game we have is taking place in the ACC. This will be 7.30 on ESPN Friday night. It's NC State at Virginia. Um, Nick is going to go with NC State, uh, as is Slade. And, again, I'm going to go with NC State as well. Uh, Virginia is just not going to be very good this season. Uh, they didn't look too good against Maryland uh, on the road this past week. I think NC State is, is going to be a team that has a lot of ebbs and flows throughout the year. Um, but I think they're going to be able to go on the road to Virginia and pull out a huge win. Um, and this this is going to help their offense as well. Virginia doesn't have a very good defense. Um, take that back. I'm sorry. Virginia doesn't have a very good offense, but their defense is is their their one you know shining star, I would say. Um, and if they can give their their old quarterback uh, Brendan Armstrong and their old offensive coordinator a lot of fits, uh, they can keep this game close. But at the end of the day, I think NC State is. is just enough has enough more talent on that team uh, to be able to pull out this win. Uh, next game we have on Friday night is Boise State at San Diego State. Uh, this will be 10:30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Um, Nick is going to go with Boise State. Uh, Slade has San Diego State. I am going with San Diego State as well. Both teams have looked really poor. On, on you know on a, especially on the offensive side of the ball to start the season, uh, San Diego State is coming off a game where 
I think the spread was 25 coming into it against Oregon State. They covered the spread. They actually, you know, kind of looked a little, little better than they did the week before against UCLA. Uh, their offense still doesn't look that good. But if you look at Boise State, um, very concerned with how they've looked to start the year. Uh, Boise State was a lot of people's picks to win the Mountain West this season. Uh, their quarterback play hasn't been there. I mean, the entire offense has just looked really sluggish through the first three weeks of the season. So a lot of concern here. Um, I mean, whoever is able to pull out the victory in this game, it's, it's going to do wonders for their season going forward. Um, but I, I think San Diego State gets it done at home Friday night. Uh, and the last game that we're going to look at is Air Force at San Jose State. This will also be a 1030 uh, kickoff. This is going to be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Nick and Slade are going to go with Air Force here. Uh, I'm going to go with Air Force as well. Uh, Air Force has looked very impressive to start the season. Uh, you know, they're coming off a big win this past weekend as well, or I think they played on Friday night last week. Um, so I, I think Air Force is is definitely in contention to win the Mountain West. Um, they've looked very good to start the season. I think they keep it rolling against San Jose State on the road Friday night. Uh, that'll do it for Blitz Boys this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me and bearing with me as I got through this, uh, this episode alone. Uh, we hope you guys check out our other episodes that we've done in the past. Uh, and don't forget to join us Saturday morning live uh, here on YouTube uh, or on our, our X or Twitter uh, for Out of the Tunnel to get you guys ready for week four uh, and the, the whole Saturday slate. We'll have a lot of headlines to talk about, uh, and we're excited to bring you another great show. So we hope to see you guys there. Uh, don't forget to go follow our socials, our TikTok, our Twitter, uh, and our uh, Instagram as well. Uh, I post TikToks daily, uh, and Nick is, is doing some as well when he has some time. Uh, so we hope you guys jump over there, give us a follow. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to stop dragging this out. We will see you guys in the next video.